I've got to be honest with you, for those who are single, you know that there's a lot of freaks out there. <laughs> Truth hurts, doesn't it? Um, gosh, I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, it, there, was a, there was a more simpler time that when you liked to somebody when you were in second grade, you know, you tackled them, you threw dirt in their hair. Isn't that right, Scott? I mean, you, 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 you wrote them a note. Do you like me? Yes, no, maybe. You know, and you always circle maybe. Because you want to keep your playing field open, right? But yet, the, the older you got, the more complicated things become, always. And so many times, when you're in high school, in college, uh, after college, trying to find that person to be able to solve the loneliness problem, the lonely problem, can be very difficult. In fact, let me just go ahead and say this, that... um. This is so important because if you're a lonely person when you're single, nine times out of ten, you'll be a lonely person when you're married. Because presence doesn't get rid of the loneliness. Proximity does. We know that those who are married, and all of us have been where you've been if you're single today. It's difficult, and it's hard. And I want to say from the get-go that here at One Church, um, we value you if you're single. Or maybe you're single again. Um, you tried love and it didn't work. Uh, we want to let you know that God values you. And so do we. We're going to be looking at what singles need. A couple of weeks ago we looked at what, you know, love is never enough and that love is not enough for men. Men need what? Respect. Very good. Last week we talked about that love is not enough for women and that women need what? They need to be valued, all right? They need to feel valued. Today we're going to talk about that just having another person doesn't end the loneliness. Because we heard that song by Three Dog Night, one is the loneliest number, right? Really it's not because there are a lot of couples that sleep at night with their backs turned to each other and they're very lonely. We're going to look at a, a passage of Scripture today that... Um, as I was trying to work through this, because it's very dangerous, a married person talking about singles, um, because I'm not single. I have been single, um, and uh, I know that I may be talking to a lot of singles out there or a lot of married people who want to be single. <laughs> all right. Um, but we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that is very applicable to all of us. It's from the book of Ruth. Everybody say Ruth. All right, very good. We're going to be looking at Ruth. And this is in the Old Testament. Book of Ruth is about two single women. So um, the Bible has a lot to say about being single. These two single women were Naomi and Ruth. That's exactly right. So let's just dive right in and let me give you some background of this, if I might. Ruth is uh, Naomi. Uh, um, Naomi has this, I'd say, a husband and has two sons. They're living in Israel. And because of job issues, there was a famine in the land. They had to go where, the, where the, uh, the dirt was good, the water was good. So they left Israel, and they moved to Moab. They stayed at Moab for quite some time. And uh, while they were in Moab, Naomi's two sons married two Moabite women. The, women's, uh, the women's names were Ruth and Orpah. Not Oprah, but Orpah. All right, and not Orca. All right, Orpa. All right, I'm not going to get myself in trouble this morning. So 
They go, and then tragedy strikes. Naomi's husband dies, and her two sons die. So we have a home with three widows, Orpha, Ruth, and the mother-in-law, Naomi. So um, things have become really bad for them. In fact, if you would look at Ruth chapter 1, verse 20, Naomi is speaking, and she says this, Don't, don't call me Naomi. The word Naomi means pleasant. Everybody say the word pleasant. Pleasant. Sounds pleasant, doesn't it? Naomi. Don't call me pleasant, she responded. Instead, call me Mara. That word Mara means bitter. Everybody say the word bitter. Bitter. So don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter, for the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. She says, when you see me on the street, don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Just a moment of honesty here this morning. There may be some of you out there that really when you take a good long look over your life and your past, life has not turned out the way you wanted it to. And if you had to be honest this morning, you would have to say, you know what, I'm a little bitter. I, I was expecting something to happen to me by now. I was expecting to have a mate by now. I was expecting to, when I got married, that my mate would live or not pass away or that my mate would not divorce me. I was talking to a really good friend of mine this week, and uh, we were just talking about relationships and divorce and just how painful relationships can be. There's very rarely ever black or white. There's many times shades of gray. And there's so much pain. There's so much heartache. And some of you out there, I know that you're experiencing bitterness. Your marriage may be intact, but your spouse is 6,000 miles away. Um, and this holiday season is just a little bitter for you. You know, um, I think it's a great to be able to take an honesty, a look of honesty at your relationships. But the great thing about the book of Ruth of this is not about a bitter old woman. It's not about relationships ending, as we're getting ready to find out. It's really about new beginnings. New beginnings. It's not primarily about the things that have gone and the things that have ended, or whether it be a divorce or or a death, or whatever. It's about new beginnings. That's what the book of Ruth is all about. So many times we're at the end of a relationship, we focus on the end. We focused on guilt, and the pain, and the struggles going through all of these things. But i got to be honest with you, God always has a new beginning for you. Always. No matter how bitter it has become. The book of Ruth, new beginnings. The first principle we're going to find in the book of Ruth is this. If you're single, or even if you're married, this is a great principle for you to think about. And this first principle is this. You keep your priorities in life. You keep the first things first, and the second things second. Naomi decides she's going to leave Moab, and she's going to return to Israel to Bethlehem. So she's getting ready to leave, and she looks at her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, and she says this, listen, we're all single, we're all widowed, and we know exactly how things are going to go with this. Um, if you go with me, daughters-in-law, you're going to be a foreigner in a foreign land, and you will probably never, ever marry again. And they didn't have life insurance or things like that back in that day. So when you, your spouse died, you were destitute. You were poor. So Naomi said, listen, you stay here, you find your two other uh, good men, and you stay here, but i got to go back. 
And Orpah said, okay, you're giving me permission, I'm going to do that. But look at what Naomi said, uh, excuse me, what Ruth said. Ruth replied in verse 16 and verse 17, Don't ask me to leave you and to turn back. Wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Verse 17, I will die where you die and be buried there. May the Lord punish me ever so severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. This amazing declaration that Ruth says is saying this, I'm, I got my priorities straight. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. She's saying, I am keeping the first things first. And she says, if I, that means I never date again. If that means if I'm poor the rest of my life, I don't care. Because God is number one in my life. Priorities do never change. At least they shouldn't ever change. We need to make sure we keep our priorities in check and the thing that is number one should always be number one whether you're single or whether you become married or single again. No matter what happens in your experience, that God will remain the top person in your life. Not him or not her. Not Mr. Right or Mrs. White. Right. No matter what happens, whatever if I'm destitute, God will be my God. Isn't that awesome? This passage right here is read in a lot of weddings. How many of y'all, this was read in your wedding? All right, there's one, two, three, a lot of y'all. There you go. All right, wonderful. So y'all should know this, right? All righty. Very good. All right. Priorities don't change. Ruth made that commitment to God that says, I'm going to put you first. Now, if you're here and you're single, please, I, I know this, because we are tempted to lower the bar. We're tempted to change our priorities because we want our circumstances to change. We look for Mr. Right, and we're holding on and holding on and holding on for Mr. Right, or we're holding on for Mrs. Right, and we're holding on for Mr. Right, holding on, holding on, holding on, and all of a sudden, um, Mr. Could Be Worse shows up. Hey, he could be worse, right? Or maybe, guy, she has a pulse, all right? She has a pulse. She is alive. She's got those buck teeth with the fangs, and everybody says she has a great... <laughs> yes! Yes! And see, I never knew that, but that's what always people said about me. I mean, you just... Gosh, pray for my wife. Anyway. But we don't allow amens here, sister. I'm joking. That's my wife. Y'all, please be praying for her. Uh, and again, I know some of you, you're tempted to change your priorities. And I would encourage you to do this. Write down what you want in a mate. Write down what you want in a spouse. And don't compromise. Now, some of you, again, I know it's easy. And, and it's, it, you're tempted to say, I'm just going to waffle on this area. or waffle on here. And, or, you know what? I, 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 this happens all the time to me. Chris, I think I found the one. The one. Really? Awesome. Tell me about her. Um, well, I mean, she likes Mexican food. I like Mexican food. Um, she, she likes Sleepless in Seattle. I like Sleepless in Seattle. Um, she likes cats. I hate cats. I mean, it's a perfect match, all right? Um, well, and then I'll ask, um, so tell me, uh, tell me about her, her relationship with God. Does she have a relationship with God? Well, um, uh, you know, we're working through that. You know, I mean, we're, we're, you know we've got to take it slow. You know how it is. Um, and, well, you know, we're doing that. Really? Okay. Well, tell me how you're working through that. Well, last week, uh, last Sunday, we drove by church. <laughs> I 
And I said, hey, baby, there's the church. And, uh, and so we're, we're, we're slowly getting to this. And you're going to be tempted to waffle on what means the most in your life. When you look at the Bible, God gives some real cautions about entering into a lifetime commitment of marriage with someone who doesn't hold your faith values. The reason is this. You're going to be make the most important commitment to someone, but you're not going to be able to share the most important thing in your life with the person that's most important in your life. And that important commitment that you've made is going to be leaving you empty. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, says this, Do not become partners with those who reject God. That's not partnership. That's war. <laughs> Just a thought from the Bible saying it like it is. It's war. You're telling me, Chris, that if I'm a Christian, that I should only date non-Christians? Well, do you realize that you just narrowed the playing field out there to a size of a postage stamp? It's not fair. Hear me. God is not out to spoil your fun. God wants to protect you. He loves you. He cares about you. This verse is so true, and I've heard it so many times for people that said, you know what, I compromised here, and I, 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 I married a non-Christian. But it's all right to date them, right? Well, think about this. My mama always told me, number one, you better shop around. But two, two is that you never, ever date someone you would not want to marry because you never do know what's going to happen. You never do know about relationships and how it's going to work. Understand that God loves you. And one or two things are going to happen if you date and marry a non-Christian. They're either not going to be able to share that most important part of your life with you, and best case scenario, you're going to drift away from your spouse. Worst case scenario, they're going to pull you away from God. And I've seen it over and over and over again. So you need to keep your priorities straight. Number two is this. You want to date with integrity. Date with integrity. Ruth goes back to Naomi in Bethlehem. This is so important. When they get there, I mean, they're poor. They're not just poor. They're po. So they go there. And what's so cool is God is just such a neat God. He provided in the Old Testament. They didn't have Social Security or anything like that. So they would, uh, all the farmers, this is what God's Word commanded, that when they go and, the, and they're gleaning the wheat or the corn, they're pulling the ears off the, the stalk, you're supposed to leave some in the field so that the poor can go get it. That's so amazing. So um, she, Ruth, goes to Boaz's field, a gentleman by the name of Boaz, and uh, he's, she starts picking wheat. And Boaz looks at her and goes, mm-hmm, look at him. And uh, tells all of the workers, hey, you need, number one, make sure she's protected, but also leave a bunch of stuff in the field because I want her coverage overflowing. Um, this is what Boaz tells Ruth in Ruth chapter 3, verse 10. It says this, You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. What that means, what he's saying is you've lived your life with integrity. You didn't just go out and try to find the hottest guy out there or the person who had the money bags and just latch on to him. You lived your life and you've done it with integrity. Look at verse 11. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. 
there, let me just stop right there. This is not in my notes, but there's so much when you're when we're single or when you're single. There's so much fear there. What if? What if I never get married? What if I never ever find the right person, Mr. Right? There's a lot of fear there. And Boaz is writing, and God is telling you today: Have no fear if you live with integrity and you keep your priorities straight. Don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. That's what God is saying to you. I will do for you all that you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. They all know your character. That leads us to our big idea for this morning. Here's the big idea. Very simply this. Focus on being the right person, not just finding the right person. Let's all say that out loud. Focus on being the right person, not finding the right person. Because hear me, if you focus on becoming Mr. or Mrs. Right for someone else, all right, God is going to hook you up. God is going to do that. Um, so many times, a, a poem that really meant a lot to me was I was growing up. Um, I grew up here at Clarksville. Um, I was the kind of the person with the, you know, does she have a pulse? Not. Um, but something that I was always looking for the next person. Always. And I've got to be honest with you, looking back on my life, if I would have known now what I did then, I probably wouldn't have wasted a lot of my time. You know what I mean? Because I'd have known who the wonderful person God has given me. This poem I'm going to read meant so much to me, so much to me. And I want you just to imagine God speaking to you this poem. It says this. The poem is called Believe and Be Satisfied. Everyone longs to give him or herself to someone, to have a deep soul relationship with another, and to be loved thoroughly and exclusively. But God says this, No, not until you are satisfied, content, and fulfilled with living and being loved by me alone. No, not until you are giving yourself totally and unreservedly to me to have an intensely personal and unique relationship with me alone, God says. God continues, I love you, my child. And until you discover that only in me is your perfect human relationship, I have planned for you. You won't be united with another until you are united with me, exclusive of any other desires or longings. I want you to stop planning Stop wishing and allow me to bring it to you. Keep watching me, expecting the greatest of things. Keep that satisfaction, knowing that I am. Keep learning and listening to the things I must tell you. You must wait. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. And don't look around of the things I have given to other people. Don't keep looking at the things you want. Just keep looking at me or else you will miss what I have to show you. Then, when you're ready, I'll surprise you with a love far more wonderful than you would ever dream. You see, until you are ready, and until the one I have for you is ready, and until you are both satisfied exclusively with, with me and the life I've prepared for you, you won't be able to experience the perfect love that exemplifies your relationship with me and enjoy materially, and concretely, the everlasting beauty and perfection that I have prepared for you. I love you. I am God. Believe and be satisfied. 
that spoke to me. That spoke to me so much earlier in my years that there was a time I said, you know what, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing the dating scene anymore. And I am going to just spend my time focusing on God. And I've got to be honest with you, I can't promise this in your experience, but in mine, it's when I stopped looking for Mrs. Wright and became exclusively dating God that God brought Kim into my life. In fact, she was there the entire time. She was there the entire time. The person I had been praying for and waiting for, I knew when I was 15 years old. It's amazing. When you look and make God your focus, what will happen? The third principle is this. You've got to trust in God's plan. God has a plan for your life. We all know that. We say that. But God has a plan for your life. God had a plan for Naomi and Ruth's life. They didn't see that plan when they were living in Moab through the pain of a, of a death. They didn't see that. Look at verse 4, chapter 4, verse 13 of Ruth. says this. Look at God's plan. So Boaz married Ruth and took her home to live with him. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. In the Old Testament, they had this law, this provision in there, that when somebody passed away, um, let's say the husband passed away, that the wife could go and um, be married to the next of kin. If he had a brother, she could be married to the brother. So that you would be, they would be able to be provided for, and uh, so that... Um, there wouldn't be the poverty level there. Well, um, through a stroke of luck, yeah, right, because God had a plan, right? Ruth just happened to go over into Boaz's field, and Boaz just happened to be kin to Naomi, and God just happened to hook them up. No, God had the plan. God had this plan already out, but Ruth had to trust in God. She had to make... God, her priority. She had to date with integrity. Man, that's so important. Are you trusting God to bring you a spouse? Or maybe you're married. Are you trusting God to change your spouse, or are you trying to change him? Let's just apply this really good. How about it? Because let me tell you, it doesn't work you trying to change her, does it? Nope. It doesn't work you trying to change her, does it? Nope. Trust God. Quit planning. Quit conniving. Quit trying to manipulate. Trust God. Have faith in God. Mm. That is so important. This is not my notes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna end on this. Think about this. I, I know some of you think I've been I've been single for years, and there's just no hope. What can God do for my situation? Let me tell you. You find God. And God knows where your spouse is at. Let me give you a quick story of the Old Testament, the very first story, uh, Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam, God tells Adam, I want you to go and I want you to, I want you to name all the animals. And he does, he names the animals. So there's a Mr. Squirrel and there's a Mrs. Squirrel. There's a bull and then there's a heifer. There is a, there's a, uh, a cow. Um, I already said that, I guess, didn't I? Um, there is a, you know what I'm saying. I'm struggling here, all right? But there's two of everything, all right? And he's going, dude, you know? He sees the, the gorilla and looking all googly-eyed at Mrs. Gorilla, 
he's going, what's up with that? I mean, they got love. I got nothing. All right, they got the gold mine. I got the, thank you very much. All right. So, you know, and, and I really think the whole reason God did that is so that he would realize he needs help, that he needed a spouse. So God put Adam to sleep and took a rib out of Adam and formed a woman. And when the woman woke up, she's looking at God because God did the surgery. And she was probably 25, 30. We know that she was grown. We don't know exactly how. But she didn't go, oh, my gosh, I'm 30 years old and I don't have a spouse. That's not what she did. All right? She woke up. She looked at God. God took her hand and put her hand in her husband's hand because God is in the matchmaking business. But you've got to look at God. You've got to find God. God knows where he's at. God knows where she's at. But you've got to date God, and that leads us to our homework. I hope all of y'all have been doing your homework, men, ladies. If you're single here, I'm encouraging you to do this for a season. I'm not going to tell you how long, if it's uh, six months, a year, two weeks. I don't know. I don't know. You need to pray about that between you and God. I'm encouraging you to do this. I want you to date God. You're thinking, what in the world does that mean? Date God. What, I'm going to open the door for him? Well, I want you, all of the time and energy you're spending on trying to find Mr. Right, I want you to stop it, and I want you to start reading God's Word, praying. I want you to start taking walks with Him. If that means you go out on Friday night, you go to O'Charlie's, you put a table, chair right there, and you just read. And, and I know it sounds strange, but I promise you, if you focus on God, God will find you. If you this is how Psalms 37 verse 4 says, if you, if you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. Matthew 6.33 says this, that seek first the kingdom... And all of these things shall be given to you. Look at God. Find Him. He knows where he or she is at. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for the book of Ruth. Lord, uh, a story of two single ladies struggling, trying to find Mr. Right, but Lord, they spend time Ruth kept her priorities. Ruth dated with integrity, and she focused on being the right person, not just finding one. Lord, I pray that we would be able to do that, Lord, and I pray for all of those right now who are struggling through the loneliness of this season, whether it be through the bitterness of a recent death, or, Lord, whether it be through the bitterness of a broken relationship. Lord, I pray that you would bring that hope into all of our lives to know that you're not finished with us yet, that you are the God of second chances and third chances and eighth chances, and that you still love us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.